In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome to Girlfriend It Radio. We are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And on our show today is someone who comes from one of the most respected and recognizable families probably in the world. He is the grandson of Billy Graham. And before we officially introduce our guest and give all of his credentials, we want to share a couple of stories with you. Um, first of all, I can't even imagine, I have no idea what it would be like to be in the bloodline of a world-renowned figure that has changed so many lives. And you know why that is? You can't imagine? <laughs> because you don't come from that bloodline, and I don't either. <laughs> I, I do in my own little world, though, I think. <laughs> and you know what? We all, want, we all would love to say, oh, gosh, this family lineage we come from. But the reality is, is we don't, and we're okay with that. <laughs> well, I know that... Um, From my own personal perspective, Billy Graham has had an impact in my life um, when my parents were invited to a dance, but it ended up being a Billy Graham revival, which led to six kids all loving Jesus and living their life for him. And we didn't even say who was going to be on. We we got caught up in in the world renowned figure there that we are actually going to have the blood lineage. I (laughs) got so excited, but it's Billy Graham's grandson that's going to be on the show. Pastor Tullian, who who is a pastor and um, it's just a, a cool guy. He's been in People Magazine and different articles just for what he's doing on his own. But it, we know what's really cool about your story with, um, it, with, your, with your folks is that you never know how one how one just instance in your life can totally change your life in the direction of your whole family. And like I think with you, your family your parents thought they were going to a dance, didn't they? And they ended up being like a, a revival, Billy Graham revival. And it's like, you never know how your life can change over one event. And it can change the course of your family. Because well, I look at, your, look at your, uh, your brothers and sisters now and your family and who you are today. You're sitting next to me doing radio today, I think, because of that little revival, maybe. <laughs> I like to see it that way. Truly anyway. how one person can make a difference. You know, you, you get caught up in that going, I, I, I can't make a difference. And I, I don't know, you know who I'm having an impact on when if you really are just saying, okay, God, to everything that he's putting in your path, then you really are making a difference. And and we might not hit the masses like Billy Graham, but even that one person might be the next Billy Graham that you had a connection with and you were able to share Christ with or just even plant a seed. Well, it goes back to, you know, you do what you're called to do and you leave the outcome to God and God 
multiplies and he always does immeasurably more. And, and even just, you know, hearing those stories that so many times we'll never know the impact of something that was said. And, and what, what can be kind of scary about that is it's things we say can lead to a positive effect, but then you go, okay, what have I said with not out realizing that it's had a negative effect on somebody? You, you know, you, oh, you yeah. think about mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. and it's like, without even intentionally meaning to say anything and not realizing and somebody held on to something that, um, that you said in a negative way. And it's like, Ooh, I hope, you know, Oh, I just had a conversation literally this morning with my sister, with one of her friends who, um, was a teacher forever and literally had a couple people, you know, you always think I want to go and be, become a teacher just so I can change the world and I can have an impact and make a difference. And to have these kids actually came up to this person and said, I've resented you, you know, over the years because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, having that teacher be oblivious to something that they said or something that they did, that here you are wanting, the only reason you went into that field is because you want to make a difference. And instead, like you said, instead of a positive impact, you, you've had a negative impact. Well, it's interesting because um, Pastor Tullian's aunt and Graham Lotz had a huge impact on us 12 years ago. I know. And it, that was, it was interesting because I remember we read about her in People Magazine, too. And then about the same time, we got invited. Not that, not that we read People Magazine all the time, right? Well, you know what? I do when I have my hair done, I must admit. They have some great magazines. Um, at, at, you know, that, that's where it's where I catch up is when I'm yeah. having my hair done. When I'm, I'm at the know. gym or the yeah. doctors yeah, or something. It's a yeah. great place because they would have this plethora of <laughs> magazines. But when I was reading magazines, um, she was featured in there and it, we got invited to go with a, a small team of women to go to San Diego because she was at that time doing just give me Jesus conferences mm-hmm. to large, like auditoriums of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And so we were invited to go as a possibility of being part of the team that would bring her to, um, to, to Arizona. And so we went over there with this group of women and, and I just remember that was one of those kind of defining moments in, in like, even in our ministry and our lives, because we remembered it, we, we were in this van, it took a van ride. And I just remember you and me giggled the whole way over laughing and talking because we were so pumped up. And then we get to, to the event and it was so profound because it was just give me Jesus. And I remember the music and, and I remember Anne Graham Lott's presence and just her talking. And we just sat there and it was one of those things where we were just like locked in and glued. And then what was so funny is that night we're staying in a hotel room with other women and um, you and me couldn't sleep. We were sleep deprived because our mind was racing because we have a little bit of ADD. <laughs> and I remember we were here we're in San Diego and we, we just started walking the parking lot. I think it was like midnight. Mm-hmm. And we're walking the parking lot just debriefing because so many times when you experience something that really impacts you, whether it's something somebody has said or it's an experience, it is hard to just jump back into life or especially for you and me, it's hard to just go to sleep. You need that that kind of transition time. So I just remember walking and I remember you mocking some of the things I was saying, if I do recall, and I was okay with that, but it's like, I'm pouring my heart out going, yes, when she said this, and then it's all about this. And, and then I think you mock me. I would never mock you. No, not at all. But it was so funny because, um, it, 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 we, it really, we remember things. I remember just saying that weekend and we came back and then, um, a, a, a year later, the team, brought her here to Arizona and just being with that and being in her room. And we actually were, you know, with her, got to meet her and, and spend time with her and got to see her up close and personal and just what a class act truly. And a, just a woman of God. And it was just, she really did touch our lives and yeah. our ministry. And, 
and just inspired us to and, move forward. And you, I don't even think we realized it at the time. Cause at one point in our, in our midnight walk around the hotel, which we don't even know if we were in a good area of town. <laughs> and I think <laughs> we're oblivious. There was actually some double dares in there of going in the jacuzzi and stuff that we can't say on radio, but <laughs> okay. You can't just throw that out there. There was nothing weird. It was, we were going to climb the gate cause the gate was locked. Cause we were just like, okay, where do we go? Cause it's only at the parking lot. So sure, keep we were simple. willing, we were willing to climb the gate. The pastor wife yeah. is blushing, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. backtrack. But I do remember sitting in the stairwell and it like at the time it wasn't as significant as now looking back, that was truly a spiritual marker in our world. Cause we sat there and, and we just prayed and we said, okay, we are about ready to jump out of our skin. And obviously God is giving us this, this desire in our heart. Why has he put us together? And why are we both excited and passionate about the same thing? And let's just pray and let's truly just give it to Jesus and give me Jesus. And I remember specifically praying and going, God, our, our hands are stretched out. Um, we are, we called ourselves yahoos. We said we are two yahoos that we absolutely have no gifts and no talents, but we so want to, to make an impact on the kingdom. And, and how do you want to use us? And at that time, I mean, that really was a spiritual marker sitting there in a dirty stairwell after walking in a gross (laughs) parking lot. And it, it was, well, what was really cool about that is then we had just prayed that. And then the next day, Jill Briscoe was also the speaker, and she did this whole thing on surrendering it all to Jesus. And we, were la- we looked at each other and we thought, okay, that is crazy. We just sat there in this gross, disgusting stairwell, surrendering it all to Jesus, and now it was almost like making it more official. She was telling oh, yeah. us to get that little white flag, a tissue, a hanky, pull Piece it paper, out. Wave it. Pull it out and wave it. Yeah, I, 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 it was it was kind of like one of those. Whoa, these are like exact words we kind of were praying, and then they're saying these words. It was kind of like, and definitely God had our attention. And you just go, okay, I don't know what this means. And so many times in life, we, we things happen to us, and we're like, okay, what is this supposed to mean? What am I supposed to walk away with this? And sometimes we don't know right away, and then God just kind of reveals things. And and I we've had a lot of those going. What does this mean? What do you you know? Where are you taking us on this journey? But that's always been a journey, and it's always an adventure. It's always been when when we've gotten together. It's like well, that's why it, we, we've had um, many times when we go back to the book Experiencing God, and we would highly recommend reading that book, where he just talks about you know moving in the direction that you as you're praying, and then see where God is moving. And join him. And I know we, we've said this actually several times, but we've had a lot of people in our, our world and that, that come to us and they want us to consult with them. And um, through a lot of the consulting, it's like, how do you guys know? How did you know this is the direction that you, God wanted you to be in? And we keep saying, just start serving or just start going you know, towards your passion. And then you see God moving and you just keep joining him. If we were to put down on you know a business plan, we, we've laughed because we've always had people go, "What's your business plan? What's your business plan? What's your business plan?" And ours is, you know, we it always do it. Daily. Yes, <laughs> and then we laugh because we'll look back at you know ten years ago the business plan, and we'll see remnants of it. But God started moving us in a whole different direction, sometimes in a whole different target of people mm-hmm. of who He wants us to to move towards. Right, and it seems like even this year. 
it was moving in even into the college kids, you know, direction. And, and so you just, you never know, we would have never put that down. Like, okay, right. we're going to be speaking in front of college, you know, kids, or we're going to go in this, but you just see where, where God's moving and you join him in, in that place and you keep celebrating because that's what we like you to do. You always the most. have to celebrate <laughs> and you have people around you. And, and speaking of celebrating, just the other night, and we can talk about that coming up was we had a bunch of our girlfriends in a room and it's always a party when you get women leaders together, sharing their heartbeat. Well, stay with us. This is Patty and Lisa and you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio and we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. So grab a cup of coffee and stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jansen Show. Every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Togginet.com with Leah Jansen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, LeahJansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
welcome back to Girlfriend It Radio. This is Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And we were talking about Billy Graham's grandson. We were so excited to have him on our show today, Pastor Tillian from Florida. And as it comes out, we were so excited and we woke up this morning with a little bigger jump in our step to realize that there have been some changes in this little radio show today. And apparently we are not going to have him on the show, but we're not going to tease you with that because now he's definitely going to have to come back on another time. So we'll make sure that, and that we get the no word out. And I you excuse to leave the show just because you thought it was Pastor <laughs> Tillian because we still have, we're going to be talking about some significant leadership. Yes. So if I do say so myself, so what is it that we're talking about, I don't, Patty? It, well, it's Pastor Patty. I Pastor just want Patty. you to know. <laughs> I have claimed that for today. But we're going to be talking about um, a training that we did just um, two nights ago. Two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And with so many, so many times in leadership. And that was actually one of the things I was so drawn with, with pastor Tullian is that, um, he went through a stage in his ministry where you just get beat up and you have to really start doubting what you're doing and doubting where God wants you. And, um, I just loved his story that at one point he, he had made a comment that, God makes no mistakes. There's a reason why you're even in that, that stage of, of burnout. And in, in doing, within our training, we have um, all these women leaders that are there. Most of them are doing um, ministry. And if you've been doing ministry long enough, there's going to be a time that you go, I am burned out. And you, you literally wake up in the morning. And it was funny because we were talking about what, what defines burnout. Well, and you know, I got to tell you because Carrie, you know, our, our, who is our, our trusted sidekick here, she was telling, cause she's like a Zumba guru, you know, and just totally fit. She said, when she hears a, a burnout, she said, it's a term that they use in the gym for going till you die. And <laughs> yes. that's kind of like, yes. it is. So sometimes in your leadership, you feel like you're going till you're about ready to die. Yeah. Cause you're just you're exhausted and mentally and emotionally and just leading and influencing. And so many times as women, especially we don't see ourselves as leaders, but we are influencers and we have so many different roles, many different hats we play at where, and so many, you know, people tugging us from different directions. It's easy to feel like I'm about ready to die here. Yeah. Well, and, and like Carrie said, burnout, when you, when you burn out a muscle, um, it, it literally starts, it almost like deteriorates and lactic acid starts taking place. And the same thing happens when emotionally you're burned out. You literally deal with physical exhaustion. Your body responds to that. And it's caused by excessive and prolonged stress. So uh, to be that overwhelmed. Well, and you know what? Talk to me about stress because we were in a little panic of thing of stress. And oh, sometimes, we are never because, stressed. Okay. You never, let, you never let people see you sweat. And we didn't sweat. We just, you know, we have the gift of gaps. So we were kind of going that direction. But I, we have a surprise. I have a surprise for you. Pastor Tullian is you, on the line. You teased me with Pastor Tullian. You took him away. And now you're putting him back on I'm again. putting him back on there. And I think it is for real. Unless Carrie's really messing our, with us. Our sound engineer is going to get the Girlfriend of the Week Award. I have a I, have a I know. I know. So anyway, Pastor Tulane, we want to welcome you to Girlfriend at Radio. And you have no idea. We have given you some um, credibility, talked about your family, the input, put, um, impact 
your grandfather has had, but we're going to officially um, introduce you right now as you are the pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, we've already said you're the grandson of Billy Graham. You're a contributing editor to Leadership Journal, and you've been appointed as the chaplain for the Texas Rangers and the Dallas Cowboys. You're the author of several books. The such- list just goes on. Oh, and yeah. On. <laughs> like Surprise by Grace. And then I think your recent one is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We want to welcome you to Girlfriend at Radio. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. Well, thanks for having me. I have to make one correction, though, on your bio. I know uh-huh. where you got, well, I, I know where you guys got the uh, chaplain for the Texas Rangers and Dallas Cowboys thing, and that's from my Wikipedia page, which I do not, uh, which I didn't write, and I don't know who did, but and whoever wrote it, I have no idea where they got that. I am not the chaplain for the Texas Rangers <laughs> or the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I will say this, though. Um, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan and am friends with some of the players. And I have done chapel for them before. But uh, I don't know who put that up there. Uh, and I don't know how to take it down. So just for your listening audience's <laughs> sake and for the sake of my integrity, let me just state for the record, I am not the chaplain for the Cowboys and the Rangers. Although, I would love to be the chaplain, at least for the Cowboys. I'm not a big baseball fan, but so anyway, well, think, other than that, everything else that, is true. I think we got that off of People Magazine, and I know for a fact that they would never lie. <laughs> no, of course not. People Magazine never does. Either does well, the maybe, National Enquirer. Maybe, maybe we'll language it into being this day. Maybe after this radio show, you'll get asked to be the chaplain, and then you know we can point it back to this radio show this day. That would be that would be awesome if you guys could open that door for me. That would be amazing. <laughs> you never know what God can do. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show today, and and we have so many questions for you, but we're going to start at the very beginning with, tell us a little bit about the fact that you kind of went off on on your own and went into just um, going, going out there and kind of jumping into the world. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up as a Graham and then kind of finding your own little path there. Yeah, I um, I grew up uh, in a loving Christian home. I tell people all the time that the flavor of Christianity that was expressed in my house was was fun and enjoyable and warm and hospitable. I did not grow up in a in a legalistic environment at all. Um, <clears throat> middle of seven children. Uh, my mom is the oldest daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham, Daddy Bill and Tita to me. Um, and uh, so I grew up with this remarkable family heritage with great parents, with a lot of fun brothers and sisters. And I don't know if it was because I was the middle child. Uh, that's probably at least a contributing factor. But um, I, probably about the time I was 12, 13 years old, I started you know, doing things I shouldn't do and hanging out with people I shouldn't hang out with. And part of it was probably because I wasn't exactly sure if I was the youngest of the older three or the oldest of the younger three. <laughs> I couldn't really figure out if I, you know, what my place in the family was. And so like a lot of, you know, teenagers, when you can't figure out where you fit inside the home, you set out to try and figure out where you fit outside the home. And that can lead you to make some pretty seriously stupid decisions about who you hang out with and what you do and those sorts of things. So all of that culminated at the ripe young age of 16 when I dropped out of high school 
in the 11th grade and uh, and got kicked out of my house, literally escorted off of our property by the okay, police. Okay, you have to my back up there because fine. I have a 16-year-old. Um, <laughs> what do you I'm mean? a 17-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> How did you just drop out of high school? Like, what were you just not doing well in school and decided, I'm not well, going to go a, anymore? Well, um, I was living at home and I was not doing well in school. Um, partly because I rarely went. <laughs> uh, that will do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, at that point in my life, I was, I was drinking a lot. I was, I was uh, doing drugs. I mean, my lifestyle had become so disruptive <clears throat> to the rest of my family that my parents yes. were basically like, "Listen, we love you, but if you're going to continue living this way, we have six other kids we have to think about. We can't let you live this way under our roof." Wow. And so I, I ended up dropping out of high school, uh, getting kicked out of my home, and I thought this was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, no <laughs> parents breathing down my neck, no teachers looking over my shoulder. I was a 16-year-old guy living in South Florida where there's plenty to do if you want to get in trouble. Um, yeah. And, you know, I finally felt free to do whatever I wanted to do without anyone getting in the way. And I lived it up. I mean, I lived very hard, and I lived very fast, and um, and the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but mm-hmm. when that season comes to an end, you're left with a gaping hole in your soul that only God mm-hmm. is big enough to fill. And thankfully, that season came to an end for me at 21 years old. And it wasn't a particular circumstance or a particular crisis. It was just this culminating sense of there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be more to who I am than what this world is telling me. And so it was this deep sort of existential season in my life where I knew what the answer was because my parents had laid such a good foundation and because I was raised so well, I knew, um, you know, I knew that, that Christianity, I knew that Christ's work on my behalf was the answer. Uh, but I just thought when I was younger that if I you know, if I give my life over to God, he's going to strip away all the fun that I want to have. And I'm not going to be able to do the things that I love doing so much. Mm -hmm. So when it came to the point where I started not really liking the things that I was doing as much, um, and realizing that, gosh, I'm in a, I'm sort of in a, in a routine here that's killing me. What I just, what actually I discovered was that my, my so-called freedom had turned me into a slave, a slave to desires and habits that were just shrinking me and killing me. Um, you know, there's only so many, there are only so many clubs on South beach and there are only so many girls and there's only so much, you know, there's only so much. And when you drink deeply from the wells of this world, uh, you start becoming frustrated because it's just not satisfying. It promises what it cannot pay. Um, and you, you have to sort of ratchet it up to see if there's something else, you know, around the next corner, behind the next tree, under the next rock. And it just got wearisome. So at 21 years old, the hound of heaven tracked me down and, uh, God brought me to the end of myself. And a friend of mine named John Zoll says, God's office is at the end of our rope. (laughs) And I found myself at the end of my rope. Uh, desperately looking for meaning and significance and value and satisfaction and happiness and all of those things. And the world just wasn't providing it for me at all. In fact, I was hungrier for those things at 21 than I had been at 13, 14 years old. And I had basically pursued all the things the world told me to pursue to get that stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, um, I, God saved me at 21 years old, and, um, and the girl that I was dating at the time also became a Christian, and about four months later, we got engaged, and about eight months later, we got married, and about three months after we got married, 
uh, I started college. God did something remarkable in me when I first became a Christian. He just gave me this overwhelming hunger and thirst to learn and to study and to read. I, I basically became an egghead, a bookworm, uh, which was comical to all of those who knew me best because I hated school. I mean, I didn't. I hated reading, studying, anything that had to do with <laughs> academia. I hated. Um, okay, we are gonna, we're going to stop you on the hated part, okay. and we're going to go into a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Pastor Tullian. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Get ready for Officer Radio every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern only on Officer.com. It's powered by the worldwide resources of Officer.com and hosted by Editor-in-Chief of Officer.com and 30-year law enforcement veteran Frank Borelli. Officer.com is your source for the latest news, trends, and issues facing the law enforcement community, which change almost daily. New regulations, new things to know about that affect all in law enforcement. Join us each week as Officer Borelli and his guests examine, dissect, and discuss the issues facing our industry. Call in live and join the conversation to get your voice heard. For more law enforcement news and more about the show, go to officer.com. You can even find us on Facebook and Twitter. Then join us live every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on officer.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are leaning, sitting on the end of our chairs, leaning into our conversation with Pastor Tulian, who is the grandson of Billy Graham, but he is also the author of many books and the current pastor of Coral Ridge um, 
church in, in uh, Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And Pastor Tulane, we just so appreciate, and we want to go, we want to dive right in because we just want to maximize every single breath here. Um, and we want to talk to you a little bit about your journey as a pastor and, and um, just kind of leading with the church. And then, you know, there's kind of this myth, it's like you, you work in a church and you work in the Christian realm and life is really good because you're working with Christians and you're working in a, you know, in the church environment. Um, can you just really dispel that myth for us and talk about your personal <laughs> journey? Yeah. Yeah. Working with Christians is always such a wonderful joy. And in fact, my, <laughs> my, my friend Steve Brown, who was my preaching professor, uh, at seminary said, I love the ministry. It's just the people I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was, of course, saying it tongue in cheek, but we all know that there was such a big part of that that was true. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world of church and the world of ministry is messy. It's actually the front lines of spiritual warfare. So when I hear people say things to me or to other pastors like, you know, you don't, you don't really live in the real world, I want to respond and say, I get more of the real world on Monday mornings than you mm-hmm. get in a month. I mean, mm-hmm. the things that I hear and the people that I deal with and the stories that are told and the problems that people have, I mean, you really are on the front lines of spiritual warfare. So yes, it's not, it's not easy. It's remarkably satisfying. Uh, and I couldn't do anything else because this is what God's called and wired me to do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's messy. I mean, the fact of the matter is we are broken people living alongside of other broken people in a messed up world. Um, and ever since Genesis chapter three, we've been living east of Eden. Uh, and that means that, you know, thorns and thistles abound and life is hard and, uh, you know, we shouldn't expect anything more than a hard life. I mean, Jesus himself said that. The world hated me, and they're going to hate you. And, uh, you know, you can't assume that you're not going to be persecuted in various ways. I was persecuted, uh, Jesus said. So, you know, we just have to get over. And a part, of, part of our problem is we have brought too much into the American dream, um, which is much more health, wealth, prosperity-driven, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make something great of yourself, and uh, and that has seeped into the church. And so when difficult things happen and when relationships get tense and uh, when church splits happen and when people complain and all of those sorts of things, uh, we we're, we're surprised. Uh, and, you know, yet Paul said, don't be surprised by trials and tribulations. This is expected in this life uh, at this particular time before Jesus comes back. So, yeah, it's not, um, it's not easy. I don't, I don't pretend that my work is any harder than anyone else's work. It's just all of it's hard. Um, so anyway, that, that really, all of that is sort of a prelude to my own story uh, that you alluded to a few minutes ago regarding the transition into the pastorate at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. I... Um, I went to college in South Carolina, and then I went to seminary in Central Florida, uh, spent two years in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then came back home with my wife and children in 2003 to plant the church uh, down here in Fort Lauderdale at the request of a bunch of people. And so I moved back down to South Florida in 2003, and we planted New City Church, and God was doing great things in the church and great things through the church. The church was growing, and just it was a remarkable season of ministry for me. And right about the time the church was five years old, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, which is a very 
famous, well-known, well-established church about 20 minutes south of where we were, approached me and asked if I would consider becoming the next pastor. Their founding pastor, D. James Kennedy, who was very famous for a number of things, had died in 2007, and they were looking for a new pastor for the very first time. They had never had to look for a pastor before, and so they came to me and I basically said, I'm honored, I'm humbled, but I'm not interested. And I knew the stories of what happens to pastors who go in after a founding pastor. They're usually referred to as the sacrificial lamb. Um, And so I wasn't volunteering for that. Um, And so they came back about three months later, and I said the same thing. I'm honored, I'm humbled, but I'm not interested. And then about six months later, they came back, and that's when we started talking about the possibility of merging the two churches. So it was a pretty unconventional idea, so unconventional that we thought maybe this is God. Um, so we uh, we had a, a long series of talks. Leaders from our church and leaders from Coral Ridge met for about four months, once a week, and went through a meticulous due diligence process to see if this could work. And at the conclusion of that time, we all we all were very clear on the fact that this is what God wanted us to do. And so in April of 2009, Easter Sunday to be exact, the two churches came together as one new church, and we knew it was going to be hard, we knew it was going to be painful, we knew it was going to be difficult, but we didn't know what form that would take. And so after I had arrived, along with my church, uh, about 10 days after all the fireworks that we expected started to go off, there was a small but very vocal group uh, of longtime Coral Ridge people uh, who started basically opposing every change that we were making. And Coral Ridge had been a church that was in decline for about 10 years. So there, there had to be some serious changes made almost immediately. And, uh, and so we started doing those things and we got serious resistance, uh, and a petition drive was started a month after I arrived to get me thrown out. Um, I mean, there were anonymous blogs, my car got keyed, uh, oh. we received threats, uh, there were anonymous letters being sent out to the entire congregation. Uh, I mean, it, it got really, really ugly, and I had never in a million years felt attacked like mm. that before. I mean, I was being—and because my family's famous and because the church was famous, the press picked up on all that was going on. And so, you know, the Associated Press—I mean, there were stories being written, it seemingly, every week about the fighting that was going on at Coral Ridge and mm. just a full-blown character assassination on me. It was terribly embarrassing. I was angry. I was afraid. I was confused. I was nervous. Uh, I mean, I was absolutely at the end of myself, depressed. I'm not prone to depression at all. I'm an extrovert and an optimist. And I mean, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. I didn't want my kids growing up hating the church and mm-hmm. seeing Christians fight and you know, all of those things. I mean, it was terrible, absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was just at bottom, at rock bottom. And uh, I remember one morning crying out to God really having it out with God. I was frustrated with him. I mean, I felt like I had done everything he had asked me to do, and now I was being killed for it. Mm-hmm. And self-righteously, I expected that if I do good things for God, God will do good things for me. Uh, and I had done good things for God, and now God owed me good things. And so when <laughs> I was going through all of this garbage, I really had it out with God. And one morning, I just basically said, you've ruined my life. Uh, just give me my old life back. 
And it was as I was reading Colossians chapter 1 that morning that God impressed very deeply on me that it wasn't so much my old life I wanted back, it was my old idols I wanted back. Mm. And he loved me too much to give them to me, and it was then that I realized just how dependent I had been for so many years on human approval and human acceptance. And I didn't realize it until human acceptance and human approval was stripped away from me. Mm -hmm. And the good news of the gospel became so fresh to me in that moment and set me free in some remarkable ways because it was through Colossians chapter 1 that God helped me see that because of Christ's work on my behalf, all of the acceptance and all of the affection and all of the approval that I was longing for and looking for in a thousand different things smaller than Jesus were already mine Mm -hmm. in Christ. And that was, I mean, I'm theologically trained and have been to many years of school and would have given mental assent to that fact, but when it becomes existential and functional and you're at the end of yourself and you start realizing, okay, Jesus plus nothing equals everything is not simply a preachable tagline. It had become my functional lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you finally realize this is so unbelievably freeing for anybody, specifically people in ministry, but for anybody, women in leadership, men in leadership, um, you know, when you finally realize that because Jesus won for you, you're free to lose, because mm-hmm. Jesus because Jesus succeeded for you, you're free to fail. Because mm. Jesus was extraordinary, you're free to be ordinary. Uh, because Jesus was someone, you're free to be no one. When that actually grips your heart, you can say crazy stuff like, to live as Christ, to die is gain. I mean, my identity is not in what I can do or who I can become. It's what Jesus has done for me. My identity is locked in Christ, and that's something that no one and nothing in this world can take away. So that helped me go back to the front lines of battle during the time at the church and, and say, you know, I mean, if you can throw me on the street. You can kick me out of the church, and you have not taken one thing from me. Uh, it makes you bold. It makes you sacrificial. It makes you generous, uh, and that's what God is up to. I mean, God is up to killing us and mm. making us alive. Um, and so I just, I had to be killed, and I had to be resurrected. Um, and that's something I realized wasn't just a one-time experience when I became a Christian, and it wasn't just a second-time experience back in 2009. I've discovered it's a daily experience. It's a daily experience because we're so prone to wander and so prone to lean on things smaller than Jesus to invest our lives with worth and meaning and security and significance. And, uh, I mean, our lives can become idols. Our husbands can become idols in our life. Our children can become idols. Our pursuits and dreams and ambitions can become idols. Anything that we're depending on smaller than Jesus to give us the security and the significance and the worth and the value that we long for becomes an idol. And idols are are enslaving to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just, my heart was revealed during that time, and I realized it wasn't so much the circumstances that were causing me pain as much as God prying open my hands and taking away things that I was holding on to more dearly than Him. 
Well, and you know, Pastor Chilling, we have to take a break in a, in a few seconds, but um, the whole analogy of idols, because we tend to, when you hear the word idol, you go back to stone carving right. from the Old Testament instead of, mm. like you said, it could be, it could be your, you know, a family member, it could be your dreams, it could be whatever, and we don't tend to look at idols like that in our own mm. life. When we come back, we want to ask a question about when God, you feel like God has called you to a place and then difficulties happen, how do you reconcile that and go, did I really hear from God? We want to kind of mm. talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. We're talking with Pastor Tulian. This is Girlfriend at Radio, and Patty and Lisa will be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. It's time to awaken your creativity and unlock your greatness by listening to the Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from noon to 2 Central Time on Toginet.com. Nancy is also known as the Happiness and Well-Being Ambassador. She's an award-winning author and radio talk show host. And every week on the Nancy Pristine Show, you'll hear tips, stories, and tested techniques from celebrities, star athletes, and executive business people. People who have achieved greatness in their field. Everyone deserves the ultimate life. And now you can create your own success story and achieve a brand new you by listening to the Nancy Pristine Show. The intent of the Nancy Pristine Show is to give you everything you need for happiness, well-being, and success. For more on Nancy and the show, check out her website, Nancy Pristine. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot com. Then listen up. You will never settle for second best again. You're going to love the Nancy Pristine Show every Thursday from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Welcome back. We are continuing our dialogue with Pastor Tulian, who is the, the pastor at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and the grandson of Billy Graham. And you know what? This has just been so fascinating because you're, you've been talking about and just sharing just raw and real feelings of ministry and kind of that how it is really tough. You get beat up when you're when you're serving in the local church and because it, it's full of, like you said, broken people and a broken world and it's messy and all the emotions. And, and, and I know as a pastor's wife, you, you deal with a lot and you see a lot and your, your heart does get broken a lot of times. And sometimes you just want to check out and go, is this really worth it? Why do I want to keep doing that? And Patty and I will look at each other a lot of times and go, if you weren't in this with me, I don't know that I'd want to keep going. Because I'm, I'm your idol. <laughs> I can't say that I'm listening to Pastor Tillian anymore. I got to I got to reevaluate that, don't I? Um, but <laughs> I, I really we want to ask you a question because you made a thing where you know you said that you were called to this church and you you kind of inherited this church that had a long history with a you know a, a popular founding pastor and and then you had to go in and kind of be you know the the hatchet guy to make some changes that were not popular. You got beat up in the process, and yet you you know you feel like God calls you to a place. And when God calls you, it's not always mean it's easy. And sometimes you can start doubting yourself going, did I really hear God's calling? Or am I just, is this a a life lesson I'm supposed to learn? Can you address how you know when it truly is, you feel like you're called and then how do you know, does like, I need when to quit and when to like persevere? Yeah, that's really good. No, that is. And that's, that's a, you know, it's not an easy question to answer. No. But, you know, one of the things that someone said to me many, many years ago was not to question in the dark what God has made clear in the light. And the way that played out for me in trying to figure out if we were, in fact, hearing God clearly when he was calling us to merge the two churches was basically, number one, I wasn't doing it alone. Um, I mean, this is why it's so important to be part of a community of faith where you have people who know you and and love you and can see things that you might not see and hear things that you might not hear and think through things that you might not think through. And so what gave me great comfort, even in the worst time that, um, you know, back in 2009, the church, by the way, I'm interrupting myself, but the church that was three years ago and the church now is absolutely thriving. We went through a a church split where uh, of the 2,000 members that we had, probably three Three or four hundred left. That has been that not only have uh, you know more than three or four hundred people come since then, but it just really sort of purged the church in a way and, and made it a brand new place. And so the church is absolutely thriving. We're having a blast, and you know God's launched a gospel revolution there, which we're very excited about. But it was it gave me great comfort to know that. Um, you know, there were other men uh, whose eyes and ears were on this thing, so that. Uh, no matter how much of this was driven by my ego or whatever, all of that was in a sense kept in check because we had, it was a, it was a pack of men praying, looking at this together, um, and being able to conclude together that this is in fact what God wanted. I mean, I would have been very doubtful about whether or not this was God telling us to do it if, I was the only guy saying, I really think this is what God wants, and all the other men were saying, we don't. Uh, at that point, I would have probably backed up and said, thank God for these friends and these men 
who can help me see what I might not see and keep me in check and those sorts of things. So I think what gave us great comfort and confidence was the fact that we were all of one mind uh, as we went through this due diligence process, uh, you know, we walked away from it going, there is beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, God's leading here is clear, it's unambiguous, this is what he wants us to do. Um, so it was, you know, that that's what really gave me help. I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, I always tell people that if you really want to know what God's will is, three things have to be in place. I mean, it's sort of like three legs on a three-legged stool. Uh, that involves, you know, the the people of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. I mean, the Spirit's not going to contradict the Word, and the Word's not going to contradict the Spirit. So, um, you know, if you find anything in the Bible that is in direct opposition of what it is you're trying to do or trying to pursue, then it's clearly not God. Uh, but the third one really is the super important one, is the, is the people of God. I mean, you might be able to get this sort of sense down deep that I really feel like God wants me to do this, and you can find Bible verses. It's a big book, anyway. You know, it's a big book. You can find Bible verses to support your feelings, uh, and that's where the objectivity of other people's eyes and other people's ears, people who know you and love you, and, you know, that they can speak into your life and say, I don't think this is it, or no, I think this is it. And um, so I just, you know, we moved forward, and so I never, ever doubted. I really did. I, I didn't like it at all, and I hated it, and I didn't want to be going through it, but I never doubted in the process that, of going through all that pain and ache that this was what God wanted us to do. I questioned God. I didn't like what he was doing, <laughs> um, but that didn't mean that he didn't call us to do it. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, some tips on how to know whether or not you know, this is, and you know, there were times, I gotta be honest, I mean, there were times when it was getting really, really rough, where I thought to myself, okay, maybe God did call us to do this, but now maybe he's calling me to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there again, the people of God were very helpful because the men that were surrounding me were saying very objectively, no, this is it. This is, this is, this is the storm that we expected. Uh, don't give up. Press on. Strain forward. We're right behind you. We're, you know, side by side and back to back with you. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for my good friends during that time, I would have never made it. So the people of God, there is there is no such thing as individualistic Christianity. None. Uh, and there's a lot of that inside the church today. And people find themselves living on an island all by themselves. And, you know, they have they they just uh, feel the pressure to pretend, and, uh, you know, it's just so good when the people of God gather and uh, and serve as your eyes and your ears, and so that was a huge help to me. So was there ever a time that you literally just said, all right, I'm done. I, I don't oh, yeah. want to do ministry anymore. I just want to... As a matter of fact, I want to go be a landscaper in Hawaii. And <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the, two things, and this, is, this will show you how deep and how serious this was for me in my darkest days. I was never suicidal, ever, thank God. Um, but there were days, I promise you, there were days when I would wake up with tears in my eyes, mm-hmm. facing the disaster that I was facing um, and dealing with what I was dealing with and thinking to myself, if I if if I found you know if I felt a pain in my side and went to the doctor and found out I had six months to live, I would actually be relieved. I mean that was a serious thought in 
in my mm-hmm. mind. Um, Christians can end up in very dark places, and it doesn't mean that you have some unconfessed sin in your background or whatever, like some Christians would want you to believe. It could just be the pain of being a broken person in a broken world. Um, and then there were other times, seriously, where I would drive down the road and I would see a homeless guy and think to myself, I would love to have that guy's life. I mean, there's no worry in the world except, you know, where am I going to find my next meal and where am I going to sleep tonight? I mean, those concerns seemed so small compared to what I was facing. Um, So, yeah, there were times when I wanted to walk away. There were times when I wanted to bail. And it wasn't so much I want to bail out of ministry as much as I want to bail from this particular situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll tell you, I mean, I'm on the other side of that now, and, and things are great, and I love what I do. But every pastor, even when they're going through a good season of ministry, has their doubts at times and just thinks to themselves, I'd love to do something else. I mean, I just, I would love to get out of, you know, the rat race that is ministry and dealing with problems and dealing with people and dealing with crises and dealing with the need to prepare sermons every week and dealing Mm -hmm. with the demands on my time. I mean, I think about that all the time. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know I've told Kim, I said, if one of my books sells 5 million copies, I'm out. <laughs> well, what if you become the chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys? Are you out? Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, it's like a Steinfeld episode. We're coming back to the beginning. Before we run out of time, that if that does happen, you know you have to invite us out there, okay? Because oh, we're trust me. Story. Yeah, trust. Listen, there are a lot of Christians on the Dallas on the current Dallas Cowboys team. A lot. Uh, there really are, and guys that I've become friends with and guys that I hang out with and just a good good group of guys out there. That's exciting to know that. Yeah. We have yeah. two minutes before our show ends, and I, just, I have to backtrack. And if you can just you know put it out there to our, our listeners, I love what you said, just because you're dealing with a crisis or just because you're dealing with um, you know whatever is going on in your life that you're going, I am done here. Something it doesn't, dark. Yeah, it doesn't mean that, oh, there's a sin in your life that you have to expose. Because so many times I think we get hung up on that where it's like, oh, oh. God's disciplining me. So just yeah. in, a, in a couple minutes, yeah. what's some tips? that you can share um, to our listeners out there in regards to that? Well, on the one hand, I want to say, well, of course there's unconfessed sin in your life. I mean, there's <laughs> unconfessed sin in my life. We're messed up people. I mean, we're just, we're just met up. Uh, a pastor from Philadelphia who's dead now named Jack Miller used to, was famous for saying, cheer up, you're a lot worse off than you think you are. <laughs> uh, but the good news is that God's grace is infinitely larger than you could have ever hoped for or imagined. So, you know, I want to say, of course we're sinners. Of course there's unconfessed sin. Of course we've messed up our lives, blah, blah, blah. We could go on and on and admit that. Uh, and the gospel actually frees us to admit that because our identity is no longer located in being right mm-hmm. uh, or being good. It's located in what Christ has done for us. So we're free not to pretend, and we can take our masks off and be real and transparent, all that stuff. But, but uh, you know, the caution that I would give to people who quickly conclude, you know, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Or, um, you know, Job's friends saying, we get how the world works. Good people get good stuff and bad people get bad stuff. Job, you're obviously getting bad stuff, so what'd you do bad? And, of course, in both of those situations, uh, God himself offers the correction and basically says, your view of the world and your view of how things operate, your view of the way I run things is so simplistic. The fact of the matter is we are broken people. 
living alongside of other broken people in a very mm. messed up world. And that means, like I said at the beginning, life will life is going to be hard when we experience moments of joy. We thank God for them, but we expect to get back in the trenches at some point. Um, you know, my granddad used to say that we praise God for the mountaintop experiences he gives us, but life was meant to be lived in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus lived his life in the valley, and we as his disciples should expect to live our lives in the valley. So expect bad and thank God for good when it comes, but don't expect good and then question God when the bad comes. And, and we just gotta get that to turn around. On that, Pastor Tulane, thank you for joining us at Girlfriend It Radio. You can learn more about Pastor Tulane, his ministry and his books by going to girlfriendit.com. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 